Yo, guys, it's Burnt. Just wanted to call in and let you guys know that I Doubt It With Dalmore is a great show, especially when I'm able to fast-forward through Jesse's insistent yammering. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, my dog Freya still loves the show for some reason. I need to talk to her about that. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us on this 181st episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, sitting across from me, just as terrible a Californian as I am, Brittany Page. That is offensive, sir. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because we're terrible Californians. Oh, you mean the earthquake today? Yeah, we had an earthquake. And, well, one, neither one of us really knows what to do. Uh, I think you go outside. You're supposed to go outside. So things don't hit you. Yeah. How much outside time did we get today? Well, it was a very short earthquake, so I had enough time to feel it coming on, say, no, and then <laughs> get up and like frantically try to figure out what I'm doing. And by the time <laughs> I was like getting ready to go out the front door, it had stopped. Right. So there wasn't much time to react. And only minutes later was there... Like an aftershock, another earthquake hit. Yeah, and I didn't want to go outside because I wasn't really like dressed for that. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. So is we're not it's it's like people who sleep when you sleeping naked as a Californian has to be a dangerous proposition because if you have an earthquake in the middle of the night and you need to evacuate quickly, you're you're there's a chance you're going to be dangling on the outside. Uh yeah, well I, this had me thinking today. What if you're in the shower? What if you're in the middle of shampooing your hair? What if you are on the toilet having a tum time? <laughs> and it's a messy tum time. Oh, a messy tum time. So it's not something you can just <laughs> real quick like run out of the bathroom kind of a sitch. It's like going to be bad. I, I, <laughs> Listen, sometimes I think it's just worth just going down with the ship. You know what I mean? All of these scenarios <laughs> are very stressful to think about in yeah. terms of what if it's <laughs> what if the earthquake is more severe than the one that we had today? And you do need to go outside. You do need to make a move, but you aren't dressed. You're, you know, in the middle of washing your hair. Well, we this this earthquake today was actually very mild, only like a 3.1 on the Richter scale, but it was it felt far more powerful than that for us because we were only, I think, like a mile away from the epicenter. Maybe less than a mile. Right. It was a, it was a pretty good shake. Yeah, it was a one kind of one major jolt. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but we've had some that were, were worse than this, but they were hundreds of miles away, but far higher in amplitude or whatever. Yeah, I was at school one time when one hit in, in the yeah, eighth were, floor. Yeah, eighth or ninth floor, right. And that was really terrifying because 
I don't know, you could feel the building swaying. Yeah. Uh, when you're, you know, on the eighth floor. And that was pretty terrifying. And then shortly after I moved to California, maybe like a month after I moved here, there was an earthquake. And I remember being in my room and I had my Blackberry on my desk and it started shaking off the desk and I realized we were having an earthquake, but I didn't know what to do. Right, right. And everyone ran out of the house and then I came out of my room and everyone was out of the house and I was like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the last earthquake that I remember having here in California, I, at the very moment that the earthquake (laughs) was happening, I was dancing around the living room like an asshole. Aggressively, you were. (laughs) Like kicking your legs. Yeah. A crazy dance, by mm-hmm. the way. Still sick. Yes. Still trying to get over the sickness. Um, dancing around like a maniac. Uh-huh. And you felt the earthquake. And I thought it was just things rattling around for me jumping around <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah, I said, I said, stop, stop. I think we're having an earthquake. And you said, no, I'm just, it's just my dancing. It's just my dancing. I said, no, it is not just your dancing. It this is an was, earthquake. This was years ago. Are you trying to excuse your stupidity at that moment? I don't know. It was years ago when I thought my dancing caused the earthquake. (laughs) So anyway, we are, we survived the mighty earthquake of December 2015. The mighty 3.1 on the Richter scale. They're always an interesting... One time, Brittany and I were out at this painting, like it's called uh, Oh yeah, Pino's Palette. It's like a, a bar kind of a deal where you, you, you follow along with an instructor and you paint while you're drinking wine. Mm-hmm. And these people had just opened this business and they moved out from Denver. Mm-hmm. And it was their first earthquake maybe ever. And the whole place was rattling. It was a, it was a pretty big one. Yeah. I guess I have been in several earthquakes. Yeah. They you are, think I would be more prepared? They are definitely they're fucking weird. It's a it's a different it's a different thing. Well, and it's even more scary because living in California, you always hear about the big one. When is the big one coming? And you need to be prepared for the big one. Uh, it's going to be the apocalypse happening, you know, <laughs> and, like Walking Dead, sans zombies. Yeah, I mean, get your water, get your flashlights. Like you need to be prepared. They're always telling you you need to be prepared. And so when you feel one coming on, you're wondering, okay, is this the only one, or is right. this like a series, and they're going to get worse? Kind of, where is this well, going to go after this one? And this isn't rel- not relative to preparedness, but after this one today, we did both get out of our casual clothing and we both put jeans on in case we did have to evacuate the house. We did. <laughs> that is something good that we did. We did do that. Very responsible. All right, let's move on. We have a little bit of listener feedback that we want to share with you because it was passed along to us. Jesse and the better part. During this season where us new atheists commemorate Hitch, who is the reason for Love the, the show, Brittany, the best part. Who is the reason for the season, in addition to Earth's axial tilt, as far as I'm concerned? I was delighted to hear the clip from Hitch. However, there's no reason for me to S his D. Hell, I'm not even worthy. (laughs) Well, let me... First of all, if you haven't listened to episode 180, last episode, I would admonish you... You don't have to, like, stop and go back and listen now. This is in reference to something that we played on the show last time, kind of as a tribute to Christopher Hitchens, if you haven't heard. 
Go ahead. Sorry. I do, on the other hand, wish to S Jesse's D wow. for the snippet prior to the clip. Your description of accepting, even embracing the new atheist title was poignant, accurate, and moving. I've been an out and proud atheist for a few years now, and anyone who knows me would agree. But your words may very well encourage others who are riding the fence between hidden and out atheism. While I enjoy listening to many sources of atheist activism, like podcasts in the ilk of the godless spellchecker and cognitive dissonance and dogma debate at all, I don't feel it necessary for all atheists to be activists or fanatical. I do, though, feel it is necessary for those who share the reasonable position of non-belief to be out of the closet, much like our fellow humans who are homosexual have done, to normalize the position and reveal to people that just like they probably know someone who is gay, they probably know someone who is an atheist. Absolutely. We owe this to the movement and we owe this to the species. So again, your introduction to the Hitchens clip was phenomenal and necessary. Thank you for moving the conversation forward. You're doing the Lord's work. Regards, <laughs> Adam. Thank you very much, Adam. Um, I would say this, and it's not to toot my own horn or, or S your own D. Or S my own D. Hashtag rib removal. <laughs> uh, even when I was an evangelical Christian, and I would I would consider myself more of an evangelical atheist now, I was I was sold out for Jesus. And I'm, it's the same now. I'm not, I wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ then. And I'm certainly not a, ashamed of my belief system now. It's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I feel that there is no evidence for the aforementioned belief. And it is a better way to live. So I, I, I very much appreciate the kind words. It's awesome. And goddamn, how awesome would that be? If I were to have any influence at all on even one person, letting them know that it is okay to be out and proud, so to speak, that would be great. Yes. And this actually reminds me because, you know, that on this day thing on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I had a post about, I don't remember what it was about. But anyway, my great aunt had commented on this post that I made and uh, said, yeah said so i take it you don't believe in god and then like a series of comments about how wrong i am she's deleted me since did she also tell you how pretty you are and what a shame it is that you don't believe in god because you're too pretty not to everything revolved around your looks with that lady yeah Ugh. um sorry i digress yeah that's <laughs> unnecessary but um <laughs> so she deleted me and that's kind of that's kind of the bummer aspect though about coming out is it results in people disconnecting from you because yeah, it is still so taboo sure. to not believe in God. If you have people who will disconnect with you over something like that, then you are never truly connected to them. Right. In my estimation. No, I totally agree. You're not really losing or missing anything if they would cut you off over that. Well, and to your point, the more that you talk about it and be open about it, I think the more people just kind of realize that, yeah, this is something that exists in the world and this is how yeah. some people choose to believe. And it's not that weird because, oh, I have tons of people I know that talk about it and that are atheists. Right. And then eventually it won't be, you know, weird anymore. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. I always appreciate any compliment, of course. I mean, who's 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 going to say, ah, enough with the compliments. I don't like them. Yeah. Good job, Jesse D. <laughs> so thank you very much. If you too would like to sound off, of course, you could use our voicemail line, 
657-464-7609. You can email, as Adam did, I doubt it at dollamore.com. There you can also send a voice memo from your smartphone. Again, I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's move on to a little bit of follow-up. Last year, we covered a story about a little kid, a little spoiled rich kid named Ethan Couch, who killed four people in a drunk driving accident and was subsequently let off. Ethan Couch became known across the U.S. during his 2013 trial when a psychologist for his defense team testified the teen had affluenza due to his wealthy and dysfunctional parents encouraging his bad behavior. The then 16-year-old had crashed his truck while driving drunk after a party, killing four people who were working on a stalled vehicle on the side of the road and critically injuring two of his passengers. Prosecutors had sought a 20-year jail sentence, but Couch was instead sentenced to 10 years of drug and alcohol free probation as well as rehab well and and the rehab facility was like in malibu or something it was beautiful like a five hundred thousand dollar tab right is what it was there was like an equine therapy where he would do with horses massage therapy it was a fucking vacation is what it was well recently a a video was posted on Twitter by, apparently, someone who knows him. And it alerted, it also tagged in the tweet, the the local sheriff's department and some other government entity and said, here's your boy drinking. He's not supposed to be drinking. He's not supposed to be around alcohol. Well, for one, he's only 18 years old now. Right. Well. He's playing beer pong in the video with right. a bunch of hoodlums. <laughs> It appears to be. Mm-hmm. Well, once the, the his probation officer tried to get a hold of him, it appeared that he was now on the lamb, so to speak. He disappeared with his mother or appears to have disappeared with his mother because she is also nowhere to be found. So this harkens back to the judge's decision to let this kid off super easy after having murdered four people. CNN did a little package as a background on this kid's parents and family, and here it is. Soon after then 16-year-old Ethan Couch got drunk, drove, killed four people, and injured several others, he and his parents testified in a civil suit brought by one of the victims. In these 2013 deposition tapes obtained by ABC News, Ethan Couch talks openly about his drug use. Taking Valium, Hydrocodone, Marijuana, Cocaine, Xanax, uh, Vivans. I think I tried Ecstasy once. So where did it all go wrong? Early and often, it seems. With a defense witness and psychologist placing the blame squarely at the feet of Ethan's parents. Ethan learned you should be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. I think that was the message generally. His father denying any blame. Did you teach Ethan that indeed because your family was wealthy that the rules didn't apply to you? Never. But that doesn't square with Fred Couch's own behavior during a DWI stop in 1992. Did you tell the arresting officer I make more in a day than you make in a year? Probably. More than 20 years later, CNN was unable to determine the outcome of that traffic stop. 
Fred and Tanya Couch reportedly married in 1996. They divorced 10 years later, remarried, but split again after the crash. Ethan's mother worked briefly as a vocational nurse, according to D Magazine. His dad owns a metal roofing company. He and his mother were close. Ethan reportedly slept on a separate bed his mother had moved into her room. Ethan Couch often found trouble and few consequences. At 15, he was caught drinking in a parked pickup with a naked, passed out 14 year old girl. He wasn't punished. His mother couldn't recall the last time she disciplined him. You understood, did you not, that he was likely to continue the drinking and driving if there weren't consequences? I should have known that, yes. I really didn't think that that would happen again. The teen was allowed to drink at a young age, even drive himself to school at just 13. When the head of the school questioned that, his father threatened to buy the school. And when he didn't buy the school, he pulled Ethan out of the school. Yes, he did. Ethan Couch's father found trouble too, once posing as a police officer during a disturbance call, even displaying a fake badge. He was charged with false identification and is awaiting trial. Now, Ethan's mother may be in hot water too, on the run with her son. Randy Kay, CNN, Miami. So, a very strange situation. You don't usually see these types of dusts up with the law from your upper crust types. It is relatively unusual. Yeah, and, and I, kind of, I kind of feel bad for him. You know, I mean, he's a, you know,、um, Bad things. Sure.、Um, well, he is, but- a, he is a product of his environment for sure, but that doesn't mean, I, I know you're not saying this, it doesn't mean that he's off the hook for having killed four people. And I think critically injuring, like one is like, is, is, is a quadriplegic. Now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think it excuses his actions, but I do think that it explains it in that, you know, he effectively doesn't have parents. And despite them having money, they don't sound very educated. No. So I think that that could be part of the problem where, yeah, they have a lot of money, but they don't have the tools to really do the best they can with those resources. Yeah. And so they're kind of just left. You know, flailing and not really knowing how to deal with this kid who is out of control from a very young age.、Um, so it's, it's a bummer that he's now on the loose. They don't know where he went. He could have easily bought a plane ticket and, you know, and now he's out of the country and who knows where they are. Well, one of the positive things about them not being that intelligent is that, that maybe she didn't do the research to you know, fly to Venezuela or somewhere that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States. Maybe they went somewhere. Where he can indeed be extradited. Because he's not, he doesn't face the death penalty or anything like that. He's just, he needs to be put away for, you know, most of his adult life, especially after the fact of skirting the law and disrespecting the sentence, because it really goes to his lack of remorse, his lack of contrition. Yeah, you know what I'm wondering is. This video that he's in with all these other kids that I'm assuming are around his age,、sure. you know, 17 or 18, they have to know who he is and what he did. And, oh, yeah. And they're laughing and drinking with him and playing beer pong. And I'm just wondering, you know, who are these other kids and where are the parents of these other kids that are hanging out with Ethan Couch and they know what he did? And、right. I, I don't know. It's very confusing to me. It's, very, it's a very strange. Strange situation. Yeah. Very sad. We will keep you posted on this. We will certainly be following it.、Uh, another piece of news, follow up, would be Martin Shkreli 
the abhorrent figure who jacked up the price of that pharmaceutical drug, well, he has been arrested by federal authorities in a securities fraud case unrelated to the pharmaceutical dust-up. FBI agents arrested Mr. Screlly. Screlly. <laughs> At his Murray Hill apartment, he was arraigned in federal district court in Brooklyn on securities fraud and wire fraud charges. In a statement, a spokesman said Mr. Shkreli said he was confident that he would be cleared of all charges. Right, because you know the feds, they go in half-cocked. They go in with, with, with not a, a full case. They don't go in with all the charges ready to go and all the investigative uh, due diligence done. They go in like, eh, we'll, we'll get the rest of the details after we, get, we, we arrest. <laughs> Come on. That's not how it works. An FBI official called his business schemes a, quote, securities fraud trifecta of lies, deceit, and greed. He apparently secured investments into his hedge fund, into his company, by saying that he had $30 million in the bank when he had like $1,000. I mean, it's absolute fraud and... It doesn't look good for him. It does not look good. Well, this is interesting because when that thing happened with him ri- raising the price of the drug, the uh, AIDS drug, he was... A lot of people were coming out in his defense for some odd reason. And now this comes out, and I wonder uh, you know, what the reaction has been from all those people that were defending him. Yeah. I'd love to hear their reaction now. Cricket, cricket. <laughs> Or is that a phone? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is also something we will be following. So stay with us because we will let you know how that lands. Here's another story. This is a very bizarre out of Great Britain. A Saudi millionaire has been cleared of rape charges. And you'll never guess what his defense was. A Saudi millionaire and property developer has been acquitted of raping a teenage girl after claiming he tripped, fell on her, and accidentally penetrated her. 46-year-old Hassan Abdulaziz was accused of raping the 18-year-old at his apartment after partying at a nightclub in London. The millionaire reportedly invited the teen and her 24-year-old friend to his apartment. After having sex with the older woman, he claims he went to see if the teen who was sleeping on the couch needed something to sleep in. Abdulaziz says the girl pulled him towards her and that his penis may have been poking out of his underwear when he fell on her, but the girl denies this claim. Jurors deliberated for just 30 minutes before finding him not guilty. So she says that she awoke to find him on top of her penetrating her with his penis. Right. But he says, quote, I'm fragile. I fell down, but nothing ever happened between me and this girl. Nothing ever happened because that's how penises work is if they're out, if they're dangling out of your underwear (laughs) and you happen to just, oops, I tripped, they can enter the vagina. You don't have to like work it into the vagina it just like falls in (laughs) like it's a bowl yeah apparently she has a mason jar for a vagina i don't understand how (laughs) what what is he even talking about somewhere i read that there was seminal fluid his dna was inside of her so well he fell down into her so even with his excuse (laughs) that's still how it is explained so what's going on with the jury what what are we missing here that they deliberated for 30 minutes 
and decided to acquit him. Well, he's a millionaire. Yeah. Well, so that, money that might helps. be it. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just I fucking. God damn. That, that is bizarre. You rape someone and then you claim that you fell on them and your erect penis that happened to be poking out of your underwear. I, I don't know. I mean, this guy's like magic, if that's true, because some some well, or at least his penis is. It's like unheard of. That is just no. <laughs> so I don't understand how someone believed this. I, I just don't understand how, how someone genuinely. Right. And I don't know exactly how the jury system works in Great Britain. Uh, you know, I know how our system works. I don't know if it's just uh, if you need like a, a majority vote or if it has to be everybody. I don't know, but uh, not a good time to be a rape victim. In Great Britain, apparently. All right. Let's move on. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So we just finished our Democratic debate episode. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we posted it. And everyone should have gotten the email with the password and all that. And I just want to say that we have two debates in the month of January. And then are you ready? Oh, my God. <laughs> Four debates in the month of February. One per week, right? Well, it's like the 6th, 11, 13. 26. Wow. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy time. And then at least three in March. Who knows what will what will happen after that? Right, right. And the primaries start. The first primary is February 1st, people. Iowa. It is already happening, if you can believe it. The primaries are starting. Yeah. So, I mean, we, it, it, it's ticking away. We're, we're getting closer and closer to the general election, to the time that candidates are going to start dropping out like flies, and we're going to be real close to finding out who the different general election nominees for each party are going to be. Which means these debates are only going to get better and better and better. Right. Perfect time to join Patreon. Perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, I think you might have to do the sound a little bit louder. <laughs> I also shot finger guns. Yeah, you so. did. Yeah, you did. Both times. Yes, both times. <laughs> Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Listen, it has been a big week for Donald Trump after his debate. Should we go into the polls, Brittany Page, or should we move into his love affair with Vladimir Putin? Let's do his love affair with Vladimir Putin because I don't have the polls up. Right. Well, as you well know, Vladimir Putin and he have been exchanging declarations of love and admiration <laughs> for one another oh. about how wonderful they are. It's horrific. The other day, Vladimir Putin said something about how bright and just how awesome Donald Trump is. And the next day he was on Morning Joe again with Joe Scarborough and was asked specifically about it. Do you like Vladimir Putin's comments about you? Sure. When people call you brilliant, that's always good. Especially when the person heads up Russia 
Yeah. Well, I mean, also as a person that kills journalists, political al I mean, uh, political opponents, yeah. and uh, invades countries, and invades countries. Obviously, uh, that uh, it would be a concern, would it not? He's running his country, and at least he's a leader. You know, unlike what we have in this country. Yeah, but again, he kills journalists that don't agree with him. Well, I think uh, our country does plenty of killing, also, Joe. So you know. What, what a lot of, there's a lot of stupidity that? going on in the world right now, Joe. A lot of killing going on, a lot of stupidity, and uh, that's the way it is. But uh, you didn't ask me the question. You asked me a different question, so that's fine. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. So, I mean, you, you obviously condemn Vladimir Putin killing journalists and political opponents, right? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, so how would America's relationship with Russia change if you were president? Well, I think it would be good. I've always felt, you know, fine about Putin. I think that he is uh, he's a strong leader. He's a powerful leader. He's represented his country. That's the way the country is being represented. He's actually got popularity within his country. They respect him as a leader. Uh, certainly over the last couple of years, they've respected him as a leader. I think he's up in the 80s, which is, you know, you see where Obama's in the 30s and low 40s, and, you know, he's up in the 80s. So I guess, and I don't know who does the polls. Maybe he does the polls. That's, listen, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that Donald Trump, a man who has little respect, little regard, who practically starts riots, use, uses language that incites the crowd that there's this there's this energy of hatred toward the media in his events that he that he creates it's no surprise that this man speaks so casually about the killing the murdering of members of the press in Russia right he said Oh, sure. Absolutely. I condemn that. He, the way he reacted to right. the killing of journalists was how I, I react if someone offers me a cupcake. I'm like, oh, sure. Absolutely. That's <laughs> I can take it or leave it. Yeah. yeah you know. That's not how you react when someone's like, yeah, Putin's murdering people. Are you okay with that? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Are you against that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah no, so you give a firm. Yeah. That's not good. So there's like a 20 second period in this piece in that clip that I think is the most alarming. Yeah. Well, I mean, also as a person that kills journalists, political al I mean, uh, political opponents, yeah. and uh, invades countries. And invades countries. Obviously, uh, that uh, it would be a concern, would it not? He's running this country, and at least he's a leader. You know, unlike what we have in this country. Yeah, but again, he kills journalists that don't agree with him. Well, I think uh, our country does plenty of killing also, Joe. So, so Vladimir Putin murdering members of the quote-unquote free press in Russia is, it's okay because, and this is, you know, unsubstantiated, a lot of killing goes on over here too. What? Yeah. Um, so obviously Donald Trump is not able to distinguish between... Uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, having journalists killed. Right. And what what the country, the United States, might do in war with other right. countries. I'm assuming right. that's what he's talking the, about. Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, as an exercise of political power, has journalists assassinated. Well, this didn't go away. He was on the Sunday shows 
specifically with both Chuck Todd and and George Stephanopoulos. And on on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, this exchange happened. Why are you so comfortable praising Vladimir Putin? I'm not. I didn't praise him. He praised me. He called me brilliant. He said very nice things about me. I mean, I, I accept you've, it. Well, you've called I mean, him I a strong he, leader. He's a hundred, you, you, uh, he is a strong leader. What am I going to say? He's a weak leader? He's making mincemeat out of our president. He is a strong leader. I mean, you would like me to call him a weak leader. He's a strong leader. And I'm not going to be politically correct. He's got an 80% approval rating done by pollsters from, I understand, this country, okay? So it's not even done by his pollsters. He's very popular with it. In Russia now that may change, but I'm not. He I didn't say anything one way or the other. He came out with a very nice statement about me, and I said that's very nice. I'm honored by it, and it would be very nice if we got along with Russia, Chuck. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He cannot stand our president. He doesn't like President Obama. I think it would be a positive mm-hmm. thing if Russia and the United States actually got along, and they could work to the mutual good of getting rid of ISIS and clean things up. I mean, right now, we don't get along with them at all. Right, but right now, Vladimir Putin is the best ally Iran has uh, around the world and the best ally that Assad has in Syria. Absolutely fact. And here's the other thing. For Donald Trump to go go there about the 80% approval rating because he's so enamored by the polls... It's, it's like saying, well, Kim Jong-un, he gets 99% of the vote. He must be a strong leader that, that it should be held up and respected. It's completely, completely fucking ludicrous. Well, he's right that American polls have found his approval rating to be very high. Um, and they have taken measures to try to cut out the social desirability bias. Yeah, of co- well, of course they have. However... The Russian people who lived under the communist thumb for so long, the regime of the Soviet Union, do you think that they're going to be open to to saying they know journalists are being killed? Are they going to be open to answering these questions about their their disapproval of their venerable leader? I don't, but I was just telling everybody that (laughs) to let everybody know. But no, sir, I, I agree with what you're saying. And obviously, when you have a, a terrifying figure in power, you are going to say what you think is best for your safety. You get in lockstep with what the what that ruler, that leader wants you to to think and say and believe. And even if you aren't you know, fearful in that moment, you still kind of live that way, right? That's right. You're sure. kind of just created to believe that way and the other the other thing that we haven't even mentioned is the fact like chuck todd brought up that there is no bigger ally to the iranians to the ayatollahs than vladimir putin there is no bigger ally to bashar al-assad in syria than putin when 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 donald trump talks about how putin is fighting isis with us that is completely bullshit that is fabrication what what Putin is doing is battling against the rebels who are fighting Assad. He is he is not battling ISIS. He is not bombing ISIS. Well, I think it's funny that Vladimir Putin is praising Donald Trump because, it, it, in my view, from my perspective, because I'm an expert on international relations, <laughs> um, I feel that. Putin views Donald Trump as, you know, this hilarious character Absolutely. that he can easily manipulate. Yes. 
And he's just like, this is going to be a great time to have this guy in power. Right. It's going to be great for him. So he's praising him. Well, also today, he was on with George Stephanopoulos on This Week. It's the name of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like it needs something else in there. And this is the first part of a two-part exchange that took place. You got that praise from Vladimir Putin this week, called it a great honor. You also said you've always felt fine about Putin. How can you say you feel fine about Vladimir Putin when he backs our adversaries like Bashar Assad, when he backs Iran, when he invades Ukraine? I have been an extremely successful deal maker. That's what I've done over years. And I know people because deals are people. And I think I'll get along very well for the good of our country, for the good of our country. This is what I want. Make America great again. I believe I'll get along fine with Putin. I believe I'll get along fine with other leaders. Obama doesn't get along with Putin. Putin can't stand our president, and it's causing us difficulty. And frankly, and I said it a long time ago, if Russia wants to bomb the hell out of ISIS and join us in that effort, I am absolutely fine with it. I think that's an asset, not a liability. So if Putin respects me and if Putin wants to call me brilliant and other things that he said, which were frankly very nice, I'll accept that. And I'll accept it on behalf of our country. Because if we get along well with Russia, that's a positive thing, George, not a negative thing. Well, you want to get along well with Putin, but you seem to be alienating some of our allies. You said that Angela Merkel is ruining Germany. And here's what David Cameron, the British prime minister, had to say about your proposal to ban Muslims. I happen to disagree with her about Donald Trump. I think his remarks are divisive, stupid and wrong. And I think if he came to visit our country, I think he'd unite us all against him. Is it wise to be praising our adversaries and alienating our allies? George, uh, yeah, I know you're having a lot of fun this morning, and so am I, if you want to know the truth. (laughs) He was not happy. That is clearly a Donald Trump who was stumped. (laughs) That's all that is. When you lash out in that way and you have nothing to say. Right. Well, I I like that he points to, well, you know, Putin can't stand our president. Oh, so that must mean Putin's a good guy. Because I can name all kinds of people who can't stand our president. The mm-hmm. Ayatollahs mm-hmm. in Iran cannot stand our president. Uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi cannot stand. He's the leader of ISIL. He can't stand our president. There are many people. Al-Zawahiri, the leader of Al-Qaeda, he can't stand our president. Does that mean you want to speak highly of those terrible, sickening individuals, Donald Trump? Come on. The second part of the exchange happened here. One final question about Vladimir Putin. Uh, when you were pressed about his killing of journalists, you said, I think our country does plenty of killing, too. What were you thinking about there? What killing sanctioned by the U.S. government is like killing journalists? Well, I think, number one, I think Hillary, when she was Secretary of State, made some horrible, horrible decisions, and thousands and thousands and even hundreds of thousands of people have been killed. I mean, you look at what went on in Libya. You look at so many bad decisions that she made. She's incompetent, as far as I'm concerned. That's you not look killing at her by rage, the United States government, though, as is far it? That's as not the same as ordering killing. As far as the reporters are concerned, obviously, I don't want that to happen. I think it's horrible. But... 
in all fairness but, to Putin, you're saying he killed people. I haven't seen that. I don't know that he has. Have you been able to prove that? Do you know the names of the reporters that he's killed? Because I've been, you know, you've been hearing this, but I haven't seen the name. Now, I think it would be despicable if that took place, but I haven't seen any evidence that he killed anybody in terms of reporters. Here's what, here's what Mitt Romney tweeted about that. He said there's an important distinction here. Thug Putin kills journalists and opponents. Our presidents kill terrorists and enemy combatants. Does he know for a fact that he kills the reporters? I don't, know. I don't think anybody knows that. It's possible that he does, but I don't think it's been proven. Has anybody proven that he's killed reporters? And I'm not trying there to stick up There have been many allegations that he was behind the killing no, no, of allegations. They are allegations. And yeah, sure, there are allegations. I've read those allegations over the years, but nobody's proven that he's killed anybody, as far as I'm concerned. He hasn't killed reporters. So what been killing proven. has now, the United States government has, done? George, excuse me, let me finish. If he has killed reporters, I think that's terrible. But this isn't like somebody that stood with a gun and he's, you know, taken the blame or he's admitted that he's killed. He's always denied it. He's never, it's never been proven that he's killed anybody. So, you know, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, at least in our country. He has not been proven that he's killed reporters. Couple of things. Um, <laughs> Only a couple, though. <laughs> as we as we go forward, keep in mind the things that he was saying about Hillary Clinton being a terrible Secretary of State, etc. Just keep that in mind for, right. for things coming up. Uh, the Daily Beast wrote something. Well, Gideon Resnick of the Daily Beast wrote something about this, and I really liked this article that he wrote in response to the things that Donald Trump said. He said, proof, of course, is incredibly important to Trump, as evidenced by the extensive information he has presented validating his claim that thousands of Muslims were cheering in New Jersey after 9-11. Not only is Putin a man of integrity in Trump's eyes, who endorsement he is happy to accept, his actions are not even as bad as the U.S. government's intervention in the Middle East. And then he ends the article by saying, that under President Trump, it seems Vladimir Putin will be as good as his word. Right. Which is a terrifying sentence. But in terms of the journalist stuff, there have been at least 56 confirmed deaths of journalists in Russia since 1992, according to the Committee to Protect Journalists. Putin has been in office as either prime minister or president since 1999. In 2010 alone, at least 10 journalists were killed including a 47-year-old journalist who allegedly was raped by police with a broom handle while in custody. Trump's campaign did not respond when asked if the candidate was aware of these numbers. Well, he here's the deal. You know, when all of the reporters who've been murdered or quote-unquote disappeared, when all of them are in stark opposition to Putin, it naturally follows to suspect Putin. If it was one or two or three journalists, it would be one thing. But when it's into double digits, when it's on the other side of 50, that's a problem. And Putin has been the leader of Russia since 1999. When he was prime minister, when Medvedev, or whatever the hell his name is, when Medvedev, Medvedev took, took office, it was more of a puppet role. It was more a ceremony and Putin ran the country as prime minister. He's been in charge since 1999. He has been responsible for these, as far as I can tell. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that all of a sudden now, Trump wants to be offering and extending constitutional rights like innocent until proven guilty 
<laughs> right. To Putin right. when he won't extend the same right to the, 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 the Muslims that he wants to eliminate, that he wants to ban from our country. Because a, a test of religion is unconstitutional, but they're not citizens. So, oh, well, they don't have the constitutional protection. So you can't have it both ways there, Mr. Trump. I have the poll numbers now if you want to jump there real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this is based on uh, 532 usual Republican primary voters and 525 usual Democratic primary voters. The margin of error is plus or minus 4.3%. And they have Donald Trump at 34%, Ted Cruz at 18%. This is nationally. Uh, 13% for Marco Rubio, 7% for Jeb Bush, and then everyone else is below that, so obviously. Jeb, he did get a little bit of a bump. He did, yeah. From the debate. Yeah, because now he's ahead of Ben Carson, um, and he wasn't before. Right. And um, I have a feeling it's the last we're going to hear of Ben Carson. In fact, I would venture to say he he won't be around even in another month and a half well he just said that he is canceling the trip that he had planned to both africa and israel right and when i heard that i kind of wondered if he figured it was a waste of time at this point to make those trips because he's going to be dropping out soon right and too much of a risk security wise if he's going to be a goner anyway well that was the excuse that he gave he said that he had some like inside intel and yeah, he couldn't right. give information about why but right well anyway. speaking of jeb bush Man, let me tell you something. They are they have a crack staff at creating top-notch political ads. He released these two separate political ads after the debate. This first one is called Happy Anniversary Donald. How do you think Barack Obama is doing right now, and not only in terms of some of the strategy, the policies he's outlining, but in terms of the appointments he's made? I think he's doing great. I think Hillary's a great appointment. I think he's doing a great job. So you're impressed. Uh... Awesome. Donald Trump, in his own words, praising President Obama and praising Hillary Clinton. Right. This next one is called Chaotic and Wrong. Donald Trump, Chaotic and Wrong. And this was released as soon as the debate was over, taking footage from the debate and weaving it to fit the narrative of George Bush against Donald Trump. This is another example of the lack of seriousness. This is troubling because we're at war. Two months ago, Donald Trump said that ISIS was not our fight. Let Syria and ISIS fight. Why, are we, why do we can't let ISIS and Syria fight? He said that Hillary Clinton would never, be a great negotiator with Iran. Who do you think among the presidential candidates would be the best qualified to make a deal with Iran. I think Hillary would have, Hillary's always surrounded herself with very good people. I think Hillary would do a good job. Mm. And he gets his foreign policy experience from the shows. Who do you uh, talk to for military advice right now? Well, I watch the shows. I mean, I really see a lot of great, you know, when you watch your show and all of the other shows and you have the generals and you, you, have, and you have certain people that but you But is there like. somebody? Uh, come on, that me. is not a serious kind of candidate. We need someone that thinks this through, that can lead our country to, to safety and security. How, pray tell Brittany Page, how in the fiddling fuckhole does he have, does Donald Trump have a legion 
of unwashed masses in support of his candidacy. Well, how many times do we have to talk about how we want someone better than us, right? I don't want someone who is watching the shows that I watch (laughs) and who has the exact same information that I'm able to have uh, making these decisions. You need to be talking to people that I don't have access to, having information that I don't have access to. You need to be better than me. People with postgraduate degrees in international relations, people who are big brained about this stuff well and people think these are like respectable answers these aren't respectable answers this is embarrassing and it's embarrassing you know when we were just talking about the putin stuff when world leaders are hearing this they're hearing this yes and that is really really embarrassing not only that but the citizens of france and the citizens of great britain the citizens of northern europe the citizens of the world they hear what he's saying And they also know the poll numbers. These aren't secret and only for the United States. Everyone sees the amount of support, the numbers of people that are showing up to these rallies and have pledged their support for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. This is embarrassing. Something is afoot. But I do want to (laughs) say, I do want to give Jeb Bush some props because absolutely, obviously, he really um, practiced these these things that he was going to say. I feel like they planned this ad before the debate and then said, listen, these are the clips we want to use in this ad. These are the things we want you to say so we can match them with the clips because he released this ad the day after the debate. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, you can hear Donald Trump after uh, Jeb Bush said during the debate that ISIS wasn't our fight. And he goes, I never said that. I right. never said that. Right. Yeah. He, just lying. Flat out lying. Right. And still went up in the polls post-debate. Yeah. It is a sad day. It is a sad time. And I, I look, only time will tell. I don't know that I, I ever thought I would have would be saying the thing I'm getting ready to say. But I'm thankful that it looks like Ted Cruz is going to win Iowa because he will go out of Iowa with a little bit of a bump and maybe into New Hampshire because I would rather have Ted Cruz as a nominee. Well, it doesn't really matter because either Ted Cruz or Donald Trump, if they get the nomination, Hillary Clinton will wipe the fucking floor with them in a general election. So before we move on, I want to talk about um, some reporting that BuzzFeed News did. This is from 2000. Um, Apparently Trump called out presidential candidate Pat Buchanan for the exact same things that Donald Trump is now engaged in here 15 years later. That's right. When Trump was toying with a presidential bid for the Reform Party in the late 90s and early 2000s, he criticized potential opponent Pat Buchanan on at least two occasions for egregious examples of intolerance, singling out Mexicans and others as one of the groups of people Buchanan had disparaged. Quote, Pat Buchanan has been guilty of many egregious examples of intolerance. He has systematically bashed blacks, Mexicans, and gays, wrote Trump in his 2000 campaign book, The America We Deserve. Trump went further in an interview with The Advocate, calling Pat's writings on Mexicans and other minorities, quote, disgusting. So here again, we have Donald Trump just flip-flopping all over the place, talking about how great Hillary is, how great of a job Obama's doing, (laughs) how Pat Buchanan (laughs) is being racist and offensive. And then here he is, like a whole new person. Like those things that he said never 
existed. Right. And this is someone who is, how old is Donald Trump? 69? 68, I think. Yeah. Um, I think Hillary's 68 and he's 69. All right. And, you know, so he's had some time to really solidify the way that he feels about the world is what I'm getting at. <laughs> right. You know, he wasn't young and still like learning new things. Exactly. Not that older people can't change, but you get what I'm saying. So before we move Everybody on. Everybody gets it. Yeah. One more sure. thing. Barbara Walters chose Donald Trump as one of her uh, 10 most interesting people. Is it most interesting? I have no idea. I try to pay as little attention to Barbara Walters as I can. Okay. <laughs> so I just want to read uh, some of the questions that she asked him during the interview for that segment. Oh, yeah, please. Did you just wake up one day and say, I'd like to be president? There are up to 7 million Muslim Americans. Do you regret at all your proposed ban on Muslims coming to America? Are you a bigot? You have said that Hillary Clinton does not have enough energy to be president, but you and she are about the same age. Is it because she's a woman? Are you sure you can beat Hillary Clinton? If you lose the Republican nomination, are you a loser? That was the best one because the audio, <laughs> he said, he he was forced, he, you know, he painted himself into a corner and he had to answer, yes. Yeah. I, he, he was oh, like, he uh, did say yes? Yeah. He's like, well, you know, in a way, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I'll be a loser, you know, in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. If you lose the Republican nomination, are you a loser? Certain way, yeah. Hate to say it. If I lost the nomination, yeah, I guess I'd call myself a loser. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was a weird, weird exchange. And so yeah, he is sixty nine and Hillary Clinton is sixty eight. All right, but listen, before we 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 we, we drop on this uh Dalamocracy segment, I want Brittany, you I am Brittany. I, I want you to go through I want to kind of explain what's going on with this this kerfuffle, this this dust up right now between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders and the Democratic National Committee relative to the data breach that went on. Because it's I've seen a lot of political a lot of discussion on Facebook, and no one's really getting to the crux of what happened. And then after you you read your nuggets there. Uh, I want to play the clip from the debate where Bernie Sanders kind of gives his account of it and then ultimately apologizes because he is the, the bigger man in the, in the situation. Okay, so the Democratic National Committee had barred the Sanders campaign from accessing its database of likely Democratic voters after a Sanders staffer viewed confidential voter information assembled by the Hillary Clinton campaign. The DNC maintains a 50-state voter file that's shared by all the Democratic presidential campaigns, but the committee's software also allows candidates to customize their individual databases by adding their own proprietary voter information to the party's master list. The confidentiality of this original data is supposed to be ensured by a series of firewalls, but earlier this week, those walls briefly broke down. NGPVAN the vendor responsible for overseeing the master file told the Washington Post that all of the campaign's internal voter ID data became mutually accessible for a 30-minute period on Wednesday. A DNC official told BuzzFeed that during that brief window, someone on the Sanders campaign discovered the breach and took a little peeksee at Clinton's campaign data before reporting the glitch to the vendor responsible for overseeing the file. Right. 
On Friday, DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz said to CNN, quote, they not only viewed it, but they exported it and they downloaded it over the course of approximately 45 minutes. Hmm. So it wasn't just taking a little peeksie at the confidential information. Right. It was downloading it for a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's probably a giant file that takes a long time to download. According to Bloomberg, four accounts associated with the Sanders team accessed the data on Wednesday morning, including National Data Director Josh Yuritsky, who was fired. So given all this, the DNC will not allow the Sanders campaign to regain access to the party's voter list until his campaign proves that it no longer has access to any ill-gotten Clinton data. Now that has been since um, they've come to a resolution on that because that was the decision a few days ago. Bernie Sanders filed a lawsuit and then the DNC decided, okay, we're going to let you in. So here is Bernie Sanders' take on this entire thing. He was asked during the debate by David Muir on Saturday. This is what went down. We want to address the controversy of the last 24 hours right off the top because we heard some of the most heated rhetoric of the campaign so far between two of the campaigns on this stage tonight. Senator Sanders, you fired a campaign staffer. You have sued the Democratic National Committee. All of this after your campaign acknowledged that some of your staffers, quote, irresponsibly access data from another campaign. The Clinton campaign called this a very egregious breach of data and ethics and said, quote, our data was stolen. Did they overstate this or were your staffers essentially stealing part of the Clinton playbook? All right, David, uh, let me give you a little bit of background here. The DNC has hired vendors. On two occasions, there were breaches in information. Two months ago, our staff found information on our computers from the Clinton campaign. And what our staff has said, whoa, what's going on here? They went to the DNC quietly. They went to the vendor and said, hey, something is wrong. And that was quietly dealt with. None of that information was looked at. Our staff at that point did exactly the right thing. A few days ago, similar incident happened. There was a breach because the DNC vendor screwed up. Information came to our campaign. In this case, our staff did the wrong thing. They looked at that information. As soon as we learned that they looked at that information, we fired that person. We are now doing an independent internal investigation to see who else was involved. Thirdly, what I have a real problem with, and as you mentioned, this is a problem. I recognize it is a problem. But what the DNC did arbitrarily, without discussing it with us, is shut off our access to our own information crippling our campaign. That is an egregious act. I'm glad that late last night that was resolved. Fourthly, I look forward to working with Secretary Clinton for an investigation, an independent investigation, about all of the breaches that have occurred from day one in this campaign, because I am not convinced that information from our campaign may not have ended up in her campaign. Don't know that. But we need an independent investigation, and I hope Secretary Clinton will agree with me for the need of that. Last point. When we saw the breach two months ago, we didn't run into the media and make a big deal about it. And it bothers me very much that rather than working on this issue to resolve it, 
It has become many press releases from the Clinton campaign uh, later. So there you go. That should give you between what Brittany read and what Bernie said. Wow, how you like that? Uh, that that should give you some idea to be able to speak with some level of education and knowledge on the matter. It, it is kind of a convoluted thing. It's data, databases, firewalls. It kind of gets kind of confusing. But that is what happened. And it seems to have worked itself out. And my take on this is clearly the, the, the Sanders camp did something wrong. And the DNC is going to take every opportunity that it can to try to give Hillary Clinton an advantage because Debbie Wasserman Schultz is a, an ally of Hillary Clinton. She is in the pocket of the Clinton campaign. That is why debates are scheduled on Saturdays and Sundays and not on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays like normal normal debates. Like the, the, the GOP, the Republicans want every one of their debates to be in front of mo- as many people as possible. That is why they're on Thursdays and Wednesdays. The Democratic Party is scheduling their debates on Saturdays and Sundays where they get only a scant 4 million, 5 million people to watch them rather than 15, 16, 18, 20 million people that are watching the other debates. Right. So I like that Bernie went further and revealed more information than what the public knew and said that this had happened before, but that it wasn't made public. So he's really being transparent. Yeah, it it appears so. Yeah. Right. And I think that 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 he is being honest. Obviously, the people that he had employed were not so much, but he is taking care of it. And it seems like it is getting resolved. Right on. All right. Let's move on. Um. There's a school in Northern Virginia that apparently shut down this last week because of a geography lesson in calligraphy involving the Shahada, an Islamic saying. Schools shut down across Augusta County, Virginia today. Some 10,000 students told to stay home out of an abundance of caution. The reason on the district's website, voluminous phone calls and electronic mail objecting to the world geography curriculum. Outrage spreading after students were asked to copy an Arabic phrase which translates to there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. Why couldn't we just learn to write hello, goodbye, you know, Normal words. The stated goal was to gain an appreciation for the beauty of the calligraphy. Some angry parents saw it as preaching Islam to their children. I will not have my children set under a woman who indoctrinates them with the Islam religion when I am a Christian and I want to stand behind Christ. The school district says the course has been taught for years and in a statement insisted the phrase, quote, was not translated for students, nor were students asked to translate it, recite it, or otherwise adopt or pronounce it as a personal belief. But many weren't buying that. In fact, Sheriff Randy Fisher told out front that the district has been inundated with emails telling us they were, quote, very hateful, very threatening and profane, including pictures of beheadings. It just shows the level of anti-Muslim hysteria in this country that what is essentially an unremarkable school assignment becomes something that people feel the need to threaten and forces schools, of all things, to be shut down. This is, listen, this might take everyone a little bit by surprise, But I have a message for my fellow atheists and people who are sharing about this. And 
seem to act like this is not a big deal. You mean the written assignment? That's right. Where would these same people be if the assignment was to copy an old English script that I am the way, the truth, and the light, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me? If there was some some definitive statement of faith of Christianity, there would be people... The, the Freedom From Religion Foundation would be beating down doors. There would be all kinds of stuff going on. But because there's this weird, delic- delicate nature with which Islam is handled, because people are afraid that they're going to be labeled Islamophobic or even racist, which is fucking weird to me because Islam is a religion. Not all people who are, are Muslims are brown. There's this sensitivity. One, let's get off on the record. First of all, I don't think this is that big a deal. However, there's all kinds of words that could have been copied in calligraphy because Arabic is a, a very calligraphy-heavy alphabet. Right, other than there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is the messenger of That's Allah. That's right, yeah. It would just, you know, the premise of God's Not Dead, which we laugh at. The movie. Is the teacher telling everyone in the class to write God's Dead. Okay, yes. and it causes a problem in the class. That's the premise of the movie. And I laughed and laughed and laughed because I'm like, no no teacher would ever do this. No teacher would ever make a whole class write God is alive or God's dead right. or anything like that because you're not supposed to make people write, you know, things that are religious like that. That's right. Um, they're, they're writing in a secular class. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. Right. Now they're claiming in that clip, which I hadn't heard before, that the phrase hadn't been defined to the kids. I've seen the worksheet and it says this is the Shahada. So okay. all they, and I don't know if it says specifically that it means there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger, but all they have to do is Google the fucking Shahada and know what it says, what it means. Mm hmm. So listen, I'm I don't ally myself with the the rabid hillbilly. I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm not going to let my kids sit under that woman trying to convert him well, to heaven. Well, what's funny about that is that you know Muslims also believe in Jesus. Yes, they just believe he's a prophet like Muhammad. Right. So I mean, <laughs> this I need to stand up for Jesus thing, like. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not against Jesus, you know that, right? Right, right. Or do you not know that? Well, she clearly doesn't know. Well, and the ridiculous thing is, is they closed the schools over well, safety concerns. Apparently, there was all kinds of threats and shit going on from Hillbillyville. I mean, this is completely absurd. Everyone right. needs to relax. It's just. But looking at it from the, the other perspective, would would those same parents or or these atheists who get uh, up in arms? over hastily constructed roadside mor- memorials right <laughs> where a little cross that's that's you know stapled together and they put some flowers there and lawsuits are threatened why is this okay but if someone was to be writing you know for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son blah 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 that would not fucking fly but this is a okay I just think there's a level of hypocrisy here that needs to be faced. All right, let's let's move on. Speaking of just goddamn, what is the world coming to, Brittany Page? Uh, I don't know. Oberlin College. 
Oh, God. A hyper-liberal college in Ohio, the alma mater of the, the, the chick from Girls. Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham. They're apparently outraged because of the cultural appropriation and cultural insensitivities of where, Brittany Page? The cafeteria. Yes. So one example of this is the banh mi Vietnamese sandwich, which was served with coleslaw instead of pickled vegetables and on ciabatta <laughs> bread rather than traditional French baguette. Oh, my God. There, there's, there needs to be a lawsuit. It was ridiculous, said a freshman who is a Vietnam native. Worse, the sushi rice was undercooked in a way that was, according to one student, disrespectful. <laughs> If people not from that heritage take food, modify it, and serve it as authentic, it is appropriative. <laughs> well, they've got the uh, all the lingo down. There was another um, instance of cultural appropriation in the cafeteria when a Chinese dish, uh, General So's chicken, was being served. And instead of deep fried chicken with ginger garlic soy sauce, the chicken was steamed with a substitute sauce, which was described by one student as so weird that I didn't even try it. <laughs> and th- these people are actually really outraged. This is the same kind of a situation that the same anger is being met with this as did with Yale with the student who was screaming at the professor at the top of her lungs in the quad. Right. So the undercooked rice thing was also addressed with the lack of fresh fish as being disrespectful when it comes to sushi. They say that sushi is regarded so highly that people sometimes take years of apprenticeship before learning how to appropriately serve it. You are eating in a cafeteria at a school. That is exactly right. Like you're you're not sitting in, you know, Los Angeles having Ludo Lefebvre cook you a fresh French meal <laughs> that costs two hundred dollars for very small yeah, portions. You're not sitting in the French laundry in right, Napa, California. Right. You are in a cafeteria at a school and that so for right. for them to not be using, you know, the best ingredients, they're steaming your chicken instead of frying it. <laughs> they're not giving you I can't even contain it I mean is a California roll are they going to be mad if they're serving a California roll and well, be like this doesn't have fresh fish in it this is disrespectful they're using the same terms like cultural appropriation with regard to a bon me like oh it's they use some kind of coleslaw rather than pickled vegetables that is cultural appropriation it's the same as wearing an Indian chief costume for Halloween which isn't even a problem anyway. What has happened in these elite schools is that they just have so much time on their hands, they have so much privilege that they need to find something to fucking complain about? Well, so now what the staff is doing is they're going to meet with the cultural student organization and they are going to do a collaboration and go over what they can do Um, So that things like the sushi bar won't occur in the future unless it meets the cultural standards, right? They have a sushi bar in their college cafeteria. Yeah, but it doesn't have fresh fish (laughs) and the rice isn't cooked correctly, you see. Listen, that has to be some really rancid fish to be so not fresh that it's disrespectfully unfresh. That is, that's not fresh. I mean, Jesus, that's. That's a problem when it's so, so not fresh that it's disrespectful. You know, I don't know if it's just the way that I was raised, 
but I cannot imagine complaining about these things. Yeah, I, we weren't allowed to be picky, man. I mean, you ate it, or it was going to be waiting there for you for breakfast the next day. God damn. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine being picky, right? Right, right. All right, well, sound off about this, everybody. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We have two more stories. Well, and then what? I just want to reiterate that I really do want to hear from people on this because... I mean, especially if someone disagrees with us, please. We, oh, I will eagerly take someone's opinion right, that's not our own. Like genuinely, and we won't be mean. So don't be worried about that. Like I really am genuinely curious to hear from someone that feels this way because I just, I'm su- having such a difficult time really putting myself in these these individual shoes. Just absolute cognitive dissonance. Yeah, I, I don't understand <laughs> it. So if someone agrees with them, you know, call in and set us straight. Totally. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up with this. We've Well, two stories. One's very short and the other one is just, this just happened tonight. Apparently the Miss Universe pageant happened this evening and Steve Harvey, enemy of the atheist... Is he? Yeah, oh yeah, he's come out and said all kinds of stuff about how atheists are stupid. and You wouldn't go out with a woman. I guess a woman should not go out with a man who doesn't believe in God. No, I mean, why would well, you? Well, do you believe that only people who are religious are ethical and moral? No, I just believe if you don't believe in God, then where's your moral barometer? That's just me talking. I you understand can believe what you, you want to believe. Yeah. But if, if you're an atheist, you're basing your goodness and morality on what? I mean, but what is an atheist? I don't, I don't really get into that. You know, when I've talked to people all the time. I'm an atheist. I just walk away. I don't, I don't know what to say to you. you know, well, an atheist is someone who doesn't quite believe in, that there is somebody out there, some God out there. Well, then to me, you're an idiot. He's just a prick. But he was hosting the, the pageant, the, the televised competition. And when it came time to crown the winner, I don't know if you've ever watched a, a pageant before, but they say second runner-up, first runner-up, and then when you announce the first runner-up, because there's three ladies on stage, whoever doesn't get named ultimately is the winner, because if they're not the first runner-up and they're not the second runner-up, they know by process of elimination they're the champion. Well, this happened on stage on live telecast. Colombia! They go through the rigmarole. They're crowning the winner. I have to apologize. Everyone looks confused. The first runner-up is Colombia. And at this point, the contestants from the Philippines still doesn't understand what that means. And the second runner-up from the United States is trying to explain to her that she's won. So she has to walk up. Miss... Universe 2015 is Philippines. So she has to walk up with her flowers and exchange with Miss Columbia, who has already been crowned Miss Universe. 
Talk about an absolute shit show. We talk about reality TV. That's reality TV. <laughs> Unbelievable. And listen, it's dumb. It's a, it's a pageant. But that is like the culmination of these girls' lives. This is important to them. Mm-hmm. You don't seem to have much empathy over there. No, I, it would be terrible. I mean, they they already put the crown on the one girl, and she has the flowers, and she's walking around thinking she's the winner, and they're going to have to, you know, yank that crown off her head and Just put it on the other one. Just a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm always surprised when these things happen because I'm like, oh, pageants are still a thing. But, um, yeah, they are terrible. But they are still a thing, so... There you go. Um, <laughs> and it, it is terrible for these girls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, because you have to do that whole thing where you're acting, too. You have to act like you're happy for the other one yeah, winning. Yeah, yeah. Even though your whole life's dream has just been crushed in an instant. Fucking Steve Harvey. And then they switch roles. Right. All right. Well, we are going to end. We haven't done this in a while. We're going to end the show with this. Taking care of biz. Uh, I forgot what we're doing for taking care of biz. C-SPAN. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I don't have anything to read on it. Oh, so right. that's why. So we're doing... All right, you missed your moment. I got no, this I, one. No, I got it. It's so... still my segment. Okay, so the C-SPAN caller calls in. Well, explain what C-SPAN is. Oh, C-SPAN is a channel that no one watches because it's boring. Wow, that's very informational, Brittany. C-SPAN is a government-sponsored cable network that that televises governmental meetings. They have chat shows uh, that 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 uh, surround policy. Chat like shows. Washington Journal. They have uh, live committee hearings from both the House and the United States Senate. They have book tour um, speeches that are up there. It's just, it's public information. So the founder is Brian Lamb, and it was founded March 19th, 1979. <laughs> the CEO is Susan Swain. Are, is that Wikipedia? Um, Just the information that popped up <laughs> when I Googled it. <laughs> so anyway, it is a government, is a partnership with cable TV and the government to, to, to show policy and shit like that. So there is a certain show in the morning that's called The Washington Journal, where they take calls and they usually have a congressman or someone related to the government on to answer questions and stuff. And so someone calls in and has a question. Well, actually two questions. And one of them is absolutely fantastic. For eight, eight thousand two. We'll start in our line for Democrats. Glenn called in from Salt Lake City, Utah. Glenn, good morning. Hi, good morning. My question is, since we're... We, we're spending all this money. Where are we getting the money from? And my second question is, if I can shit in your mouth. Um, <laughs> I apologize for that, Congressman. Uh, don't take that kind of language here on the Washington Journal. Uh, we'll move on. How can that guy oh. not burst out laughing when that is the next question that comes out of that guy's mouth? He has a sitting U.S. congressman on his show. And he gets asked, where are we getting all the money that we're going to spend? <laughs> and my second question is, can I shit in your mouth? Can you play it again? <laughs> Let's just play it again. 8,002. 8, we'll start in our line for Democrats. Glenn 
called in from Salt Lake City, Utah. Glenn, good morning. Hi, good morning. My question is, since we're, we're spending all this money, where are we getting the money from? And my second question is, if I can shit in your mouth. I apologize for that, Congressman. <laughs> uh, don't take that kind of language here on the Washington Journal. Uh, we'll move on. Our program is far too highbrow for a shit-in-your-mouth joke. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is just hilarious. So anyway, whoever that caller is from Utah is fucking taking care of biz. Because it's funny. <laughs> it's real funny. Good job, sir. <laughs> All right. With shit-in-your-mouth, we will leave you. Thank you for joining us once again. 181 episodes. That is... We are rapidly approaching 200. I don't know if you know how numbers work, Brittany, but 181 is getting real close to 200. Oh, yeah, nice. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking part in moving the conversation forward. It means the world to us. You guys are awesome, and we appreciate you more than I have words for. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt It. How in the fiddling fuckhole... <laughs>